Please be seated. <clears throat> Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Holy and most gracious God, as we gather around your place this morning, we ask that, that you would be with us. Fill us with your spirit so that we can fill your world with love, grace, and mercy in Jesus Christ. Amen. When I was in seminary, we had to take preaching, obviously, kind of an important class. In fact, we took more than one of them. And our professor was a guy named Dr. Thomas Ridenauer. Now, Tom was, is a big, robust guy. That's, he's from the hills of North Carolina. And, you know, he's going to tell it like it is. And while you were preaching in his class, he would just sit on the back row like this. Taking everything in, watching you like a hawk. As if he's angry with you for daring to be in his pulpit. And then after you preached, you would sit down and be surrounded by all of your classmates while they absolutely tore apart your sermon. And then he would get his critique in. And one thing that we often heard in that class was, Where's the good news, preacher? Been here all day. I want to hear some good news, preacher. Got to hear some good news, preacher. Because that's the point, right? We're, we, pastors, are called to proclaim the good news. In fact, all of us are. Because in our confirmation, we say, we make promises that we will proclaim the good news of God through word and deed. So we got to proclaim the good news. But I got to tell you. It would have been helpful if seminary also had a class that's how to pull the rug out from under somebody 101. Because unfortunately, I don't just get to give good news all the time. Sometimes I have to give bad news. For instance, between services today, I had to call someone and tell them that their father's gravestone had been knocked over. That was not the way either of us wanted to start our morning. You know? And I remember the first time I ever had to deliver bad news. I've been doing it my whole life. You know, I was in third grade. There was a little girl in my class who had an accident. You know what that means. Well, being the kid that I was, I got a kick out of that. So I thought other friends would get a kick out of that. So I was telling other people. Adults in the room, however, were not so fond of my storytelling abilities. And so I was sent to the office which time I got to meet with the secretary. Thankfully, the principal was out of town that day, so I got completely chewed out by the secretary of the school. So here I was going to the office, but that wasn't the worst part. The worst part was knowing that I was going to have to give this bad news to my parents. Because, you know, I, I realized all day long that I was going to have to go to my parents and completely ruin their day. I was going to have to tell them that their precious, perfect child, who never did anything wrong, had messed up that day. And that their whole conception of who I was might have been wrong. So I put it off as long as possible, you know, for their sake. And because I, I just wasn't looking forward to ruining their day. Until my brother said that he would tell them if I didn't. So I went in, Mom, Dad, y'all need to sit down for this. I needed to brace them, or I needed to be able to get away fast and if they were sitting down. <laughs> and I told them what happened. Needless to say, me telling them turned out not to be the worst part of my day. Um, 
the after was. But it's not fun to tell people bad news, is it? And you know this because you've all done it. I mean, we've all had to deliver some news. I'm sorry, your husband won't be coming home today. Or, Mr. Anderson, due to budget cutbacks, we're going to have to let you go. Or, honey, I lost my job. Or, Sally, I know you're a senior in high school, but we've got to move to North Dakota. Or, we don't have any money in the bank. You can't get those shoes today. Or, no, sir, it wasn't a touchdown. You fumbled it before you got into the end zone. Sorry, that was too easy. But these things, I mean, we've all had to deliver bad news to other people. And it's awful, right? And, okay, the better part of us does worry about the impact that it's going to have on their life, especially knowing that what we say to them, depending on how drastic, is going to, could change their life. I mean, but at the very least, it's going to change their day, right? And so... We get nervous about telling them. And, and you know, we, we get sweaty and, you know, our stomach gets upset. And, you know, we, some people even shake a little bit. Because the truth is, in addition to worrying about their reaction, we're also worried about what's going to happen to us, right? Are they going to be angry with me? Are they going to be upset? Are they going to shoot the messenger? You know, or, or is, is this going to be bad for me? Well, honestly, folks, that's what my week has been like. Because on Monday, I open up the text to find out what are the assigned texts for this week. Oh, good, divorce. So all week long, I've known that I've got to come in here and say to you, here's the good news of Jesus Christ for this week. Because that's what the text is about. And that, to me, is just awful. I'd rather talk about money any day than divorce. Oh, it used to be easy 50 years ago when everybody was kind of on the same page, right? Oh, yeah, it's really bad. Don't get divorced because hardly anybody was getting divorced. And since nobody was getting divorced at that time, it's easy to pick point fingers because it wasn't you. Probably wasn't really anybody that you knew. But now, I mean, 50% of our population gets divorced now it's a lot harder to be in a room full of people knowing that there's no way that you're not going to be either speaking to people who have gone through it themselves or with somebody who has family members who have but yet this is what happened in the text some pharisees went and decided they were going to ask jesus about it We don't know why. Maybe they were trying to trip him up. Maybe they just wanted to know. And they said, you know, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Jesus, giving the answer like he usually did, he answered a question with the question, well, what does the law of Moses say? And they said, well, Moses said it was all right if you give him a certificate of divorce. Well, Jesus goes a little deeper. He says, you know, yeah, Moses said that. Sorry, my mic is not behaving properly. Yes, Moses said that. But here's why. It's because of your hardness of heart, he said that. And then he goes and retells scripture, going back from the beginning of Genesis, where it says that God created male and female. Um, and, and he said that he joined them together to be one flesh. And what God has joined together, let no one separate. 
And then he goes on to explain further to the disciples that if a man divorces his woman, he commits adultery against her. If he remarries, and the same holds true with the woman against the man. So, here's what I'm left to tell you about. But here's the thing. There's a couple points in this text that I want to raise. First is this. When Jesus goes back to tell about why Moses allowed for divorce, he goes back all the way to the beginning of creation when males and females were created. That, my friends, was before the fall. You know what the fall is. When they were, you know, Adam and Eve ate the, the tree of the forbidden, forbidden fruit, right? And that's when sin entered into the world. And so what Jesus describes is the perfect situation. When everything was in paradise, when everything was perfect, when there was no sin in the world, where there was no broken relationships, when everything was just hunky-dory and awesome. Right? The way it should be. And I can assure you, while I haven't been, gone through a divorce myself, I've had a front row seats for a lot of other people. And I can tell you that it is painful. It is horrific. Some have compared it to going through a death. And no one enjoys or wants to go through that. And so what we know is, no, this is not what God intended for anyone because this isn't what God wants for anyone. God doesn't want us to feel pain. God doesn't want us to feel struggle. But the truth is, sin has entered into our world and sometimes now relationships get broken. Sometimes the only way to end the pain is to go through this. And that's a reality. And then Jesus' part is, is kind of interesting because he talks about adultery there. But notice who the man commits adultery against. It ain't God. He commits adultery against her. And honestly, the very fact that Jesus even said anything about wives divorcing their husbands, that wasn't legal in those days. But all of this aside, isn't it interesting what comes next? Because I don't know about you as I'm first reading this, and when we were reading it in a staff meeting the other day, it was like, well, where'd this part about the kids come in? Why is that even here? It looks totally like... Oh, we started a new story now, right? I don't think this is a coincidence. In fact, I believe that that last paragraph is the point of the entire story. Because what, what he is saying, what Jesus is saying is that yes, relationships are broken and people are in pain and people are struggling out there. And then he invites the children, the least of these. Those who even the disciples say, no, 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 y'all need to stay over here. Jesus says, uh-uh, send them to me. That's the point of this story, my friends. Look, we live in a fallen, broken world. Relationships get damaged. We do things to hurt other people. Other people do things that hurt us. And for many, many, many years and many, many times over, the church gets stuck in the first part of this text where we're all about saying what everybody has done wrong. Where, no, 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 you're wrong, you're out. You're a sinner, you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't be doing this. And we've gotten really good at telling people how awful they are and how they don't belong. But we missed the second part. We missed the most important part where Jesus takes these people, these, these hurting, these outcasts, 
these little children and invites them in. And that's the God that we have, folks. We don't have a God who is so stuck on rules that he forgets about the, the people who are trying to follow him and messing up. We have a God who loves us, who forgives us, who gathers us in and says, no, to these belong the kingdom of God, to these fallen, to these broken, to these people who are struggling. That's who the kingdom of God belongs to. So my friends, as we look out with our judging fingers and feel like we need to deliver the bad news to everyone about how horrible they are, remember what Jesus does. Remember that they and we are invited into his arms where he lays hands on us and blesses us in spite of our sinfulness, in spite of our brokenness, in spite of anything that we may have done. We have a God who loves us and a Lord who saves us. Amen.